welcome to this King's Church talk. We hope that you really enjoy it. If you have any questions, please email us on admin at kingscc.org or you can go to the website www.kingscc.org. Thank you. Starting off this year, 2020, we're doing a mini-series on grace. What is grace? What does grace look like? What does it feel like? How do we... What is grace? We sing about it. It's in often it, the words we read in the Bible on the songs. Grace, grace. What is grace? So we're going to be looking at having grace for guilt, having grace for identity, having grace for suffering, having grace for security. And there's one chapter in the Bible we'll be using or looking at for all these grace messages, and that's Paul's letter to the Romans, that's the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, who, was, who met the Holy Spirit on Damascus Road, that's the Paul. He wrote to the church in Romans, or in Rome, and in chapter 8, he mentions grace. So we're going to be looking at, for the next six, seven weeks, looking at just one chapter in the Bible, chapter, Romans chapter 8. And I tell you, Romans chapter 8 has got so much in it. It's going to be a job to contain it because there's so much in chapter 8. So let's look this morning at Romans chapter 8. And we're going to be looking at verses 1 to 4. It will come up on the screen. If you've got your Bible on your laps, read your Bibles. It come up on the screen, the version ESV, English Standard Version, is the one I use. There it comes. Okay, so Romans chapter 8, verses 1 to 4. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now you may, may be sitting here thinking, what on earth does that mean? Flesh, spirit, darkness, light. What on earth does that mean? Chris, help me understand it. How can you get grace from here? Well, let's just pray, shall we? Father, I do pray Holy Spirit, that you would rest upon us now. You would open our hearts, open our minds to hear you, Lord. Be our teacher, Holy Spirit, and rest upon us this morning. Amen. Romans chapter 8, and for me, Ephesians chapter 1 are the two most important chapters in the Bible. Desert Island Disc. If you could only take one chapter or two chapters, for me it would be Romans 8, Ephesians 1, without any doubt. Romans 8 is the conclusion of Romans 7. Now I know that. It not just follows on, but it concludes Romans 7. Romans 7 is all about legalism, self-righteousness, dealing with a person who attempts to present themselves before God in their own righteousness. 
whether that person is a Christian or not. It's either describing a life before coming to Christ or as a legalistic Christian. The truth is, our righteousness is never enough. Our righteousness is never enough. And we fall short of the holy God. If you want some homework this week, read chapter 7. You may have to read it two or three times, but just read it. Get some commentaries or look on the internet for explaining what Romans 7... Sorry, knocked all the... I haven't disappeared if you're looking at the, de- at the de- video. Um, I've knocked... <laughs> I didn't just fall in a hole there. <laughs> um, Romans 7 is all about this... Paul is describing, well, the law... bit. Before I knew the law, I was all right. I was all right before I knew the law. I didn't worry about sin because sin didn't affect me. I could mess around. It's it's often called the Mosaic law. Now, that's not colour tiles in your bathroom. That's the law from Moses. So if you ever hear the term Mosaic law, that's got nothing to do with little tiles in your bathroom behind your wash basin. It's the law that came through Moses. Ten Commandments, Moses, God told them to Moses. So that's the Mosaic law. But God's law is causing us, to, chapter 7 is all about God's law is causing us to sin knowingly. Well, before I knew the law, it was fine. An everyday example of that, give me an example, of not, not God's law, but local law. When you're walking through the park and you see a sign, keep off the grass. Now, before you saw that sign, you had no intention, no desire to walk on the grass at all. But when you see the sign, keep off the grass, why? Surely I can walk on the grass. Why, why? Maybe they've just sown some new seed or whatever, but the, it suddenly something sparks in you, you think, well, why not? Another one wet paint, don't touch. You had no intention walking down the, uh, down the pavement and you get to somebody's window ledge. You had no intention of touching that wet paint until you saw the sign. And you think, oh, I wonder if it's dry yet. <laughs> oh, no, it isn't. I mean, that's an example of knowingly, before you knew the law, there was no problem. But then the law makes us sin. The law doesn't keep us from sinning. When you're on the motorway, driving along, and you see a big sign, slow down, whatever, accident ahead, do you slow down? The road looks pretty clear to, to me. It's carried on at 70, 75, carry on. And then suddenly you go around the corner, and there's a whole load of lights. But am I the only one that thinks, <laughs> am I the only one that thinks oh, they haven't taken that sign away? That, that sign should have been turned off ages ago. No, I don't think I am. But there are some things that we've done in our lives, thoughts that we now know are offensive to God. I shouldn't have done that. I really shouldn't have done this. And we can carry secrets in our heart, which, if others knew, we'd be doubled over with guilt. But now, you see, now we know God knows. And if 
if God knows all things, he knows all the things I've done. And there can be a feeling that there's, I can't escape from that. I can't let my past go. My past won't let me go. I wish I could be, I just wish I could be free of that. I wish I could, I look around and I see people worshipping God. I hear testimony from Ray. I wish that would be me, but I can't seem to shake it off. My sin keeps encroaching, but I can't lose it. I'm living in, it's deserved, I deserve it, because I, yes, I did things wrong. Yes, I did things wrong. I deserve this guilt. But I'm still punishing myself with this guilt. How can I live free of guilt? Things we've done, can't let go. The past won't let me go. And that's what chapter 7 is all about. And at the end of chapter 7, verse 24, it says, Paul writes, Wretched man that I am. This is the Apostle Paul writing, wretched man that I am. Not just Paul, many of us feel that way. Wretched, I feel so wretched. I feel so dirty. And it's before God because he knows, he now knows all things. And then the last line of chapter 7 says, Thanks be to God through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Well, what do you mean by that? Thanks be to God. Well, why does Paul write that? Wretched man that I am, and thanks be to God, the two don't seem to harmonize and they don't seem to join together. But then you turn over the page and you get Romans chapter 8. And in the first line, there's the word, therefore. It is the conclusion of the previous seven chapters. He's linked with this wonderful word, therefore. There is now therefore. Well, therefore what? Because I feel a wretched man. The guilt won't let me go. But therefore, therefore what? And you turn over the page and you read, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And you take a breath and you think, really? There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is the grace of God. If you've ever been confused about the understanding of what the grace of God is, this is it. You're guilty, you feel wretched, you know you've done wrong in the past, you, you can't get rid of these, this stuff just keeps haunting you and hounding you. And God says, there's no condemnation if you're in me. That is huge. That is enormous. Whatever you hear this week, there will be not be a greater statement. This chapter 8 is about Christian security and assurance. It oozes grace. Grace just squeezes out of it. It answers questions like, well, can I lose my salvation? 
once I'm saved, can I, can I lose my... Can, is there something I can do or that I do that is going to negate my salvation? Can I lose salvation? And the answer comes so positively at the end of chapter 8, and it will come up on the screen now, uh, Malcolm. At the end, I'm just jumping into somebody else's sermon here, but chapter 8, verses 38 and 39... It ends with this glorious crescendo. For I am sure, Paul writes, I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, and just in case he's forgotten anything, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Whoa. You're allowed to go, wow. <laughs> wow. Just before Christmas, Gail and I were down in London and Gail treated us to go to the Royal Albert Hall and hear Handel's Messiah. One matter, not just before Christmas, we had a matinee, we had lunch in the Royal Albert Hall, wonderful and we had great seats, and the, royal, the, the Messiah always makes me cry, because it, it is the, the story of Jesus sung beautifully in front of you. It's just wonderful. And, um, and at the end, the finale is so good. You, you just tingle, and the choir, about 60 or 80, full choir, and a whole orchestra's, and they're singing, Amen. And you just want to stand up and just jump around, but everybody's sitting there, you know. <laughs> it's wonderful. And it's, you know, this, this verse, chapter 8, uh, verse 39, I am sure that death nor life, nothing's going to separate us. At the beginning of the chapter, no condemnation. At the end, no separation. Wow. That's why you take that to the desert island. You would never get tired of reading that. That's what the chapter starts with. So, verse 1, no condemnation in Christ Jesus. It's not a slogan. As you reach out for that other big, lovely, creamy donut on the table, and somebody says, should you be eating that? And you say, no condemnation for those in Christ. It's not a slogan. It's far more than just a slogan when you want another donut. It's not, no, no condemnation is a huge, giant shout of faith. No condemnation here means no punishment. No punishment for your sin, for your guilt, for your shame. No punishment. Living free of fear of punishment. My guilt, my shame has been dealt with. My guilt, your guilt, our guilt has been dealt with. Grace makes us accepted, provides us forgiveness, gives us mercy and justifies us. There is now no condemnation. Now. At the, this is a long term now. Now, at the time of the cross, there is no condemnation. When Jesus died on the cross, there is now no condemnation. 
if this is the first time you're hearing this, there is now for you no condemnation. In our, my, in our lives, now. It's a, and it's a forever now. Now there is no condemnation. No one is as free as the Christian believer. Please don't hear the lie or receive the lie that a Christian belief will inhibit you, will imprison you, and that you need to break out of religious constraints. No, true Christianity proclaims the most liberating message you will ever hear. No condemnation in Christ Jesus. That is so liberating, so you don't have to change nations. You don't have to live in another nation for six months of the year for this freedom. You are free. Is this no condemnation for everyone? Well, the scripture says, everyone who is in Christ Jesus. John Piper, the great uh, man of God who has written many books and preaches in got his own church up in North America, he writes, being in Christ is a stupendous reality. It's breathtaking to be united to Christ. It's breathtaking to be bound to Christ. So, what does it mean to be in Christ? What does it actually mean? Well, let's look at some scriptures. They won't come up on the screen. If you're taking notes, Alison Dowell is not here today. She always takes notes. If you're taking notes, I'll quickly read out the scripture reference but then just explain. So, in Christ, you were given grace before the world was created. That's 2 Timothy 1, verse 9. In, in Jesus Christ, you were given grace before the world was even created. In Ephesians 1, verse 4, it says, In Jesus Christ, you were chosen by God before creation. That, we heard that this morning. You were chosen before the formation of this whole system. You were chosen if you're in Christ. How does that work? I don't know. How do you get your head around that? I don't know. But it's the truth. It's scripture, so it's the truth. In Christ, Jesus, you are loved with an inseparable love. We read that in the end of Romans. You cannot be separated if you're in Christ. Whatever you do, whatever happens to you, Whatever lies ahead in the next decade or whenever, you cannot be separated from the love of Jesus Christ. That is so liberating, isn't it? You think, that's, that's the truth. That's, this isn't politician talk, promises, promises, manifesto. No, this is the truth. This is the Bible speaking here. Ephesians 1 verse 7 says, In Christ you were redeemed and forgiven for all your sins. In 2 Corinthians 5, 21, it says, In Christ you are justified before God, and the righteousness of God is imputed to you. You're now righteous. I don't feel righteous. No, you are righteous. But I don't feel it. That's not do with feelings. You're righteous. He says you are. If you're in Christ, you're righteous. Yeah, but. No, there's no yeah, buts. You're righteous. 
In Christ, you've become a new creation and you're a son or daughter of God. That's 2 Corinthians 5.17. You see, at the cross, Jesus cried out, It is finished. I have taken away their shame and their guilt. Sin has been taken away. Has he taken yours yet? Are you in Christ? Can you walk out of this meeting later on in a few minutes' time free of guilt, free of a bad conscience, free of knowing or free knowing that all is well with you and God? Because this is what the scripture is saying. You can walk out of that door thinking, I am free of that guilt. I don't, that, that shame, that guilt no longer has any place in my life. It's a positional, it's not just a nice feeling. This is a, it's a positional in the spiritual realm. This is a positional change. It's truth. We don't have to keep living the past. There is no condemnation. There is no punishment for those in Christ Jesus. You may feel utterly condemned. You may feel downcast. You may feel guilty. And you've got to look at the Psalms for that. How David the Psalmist wrote. You could read the Psalms. You think, my goodness, this guy feels wretched himself. But however we feel, our union is with Christ Jesus. And there is no condemnation. This is a now and a forever. This side of glory and in glory itself. There is no condemnation. You might say, well, Chris, I've, I've sinned as a Christian. Is there still no condemnation? Well, there is discipline. God may discipline you. He may give you a rough time and sort you out, but the relationship remains. You see, a Christian believer is in an unbreakable relationship with God through your union with Christ Jesus. And when you sin as a Christian, you damage that enjoyment of that relationship. That's why Christians need to repent of our sins in order that we might reestablish that enjoyment of that relationship but that relationship is unbreakable that's what Romans is saying nothing can separate you it's unbreakable you can damage it and he might give you a hard time to discipline he'll give you a little bit of a rough time but he'll never break it because he loves you too he loves you so much he oh that, that, that will not come apart super glue On that last great day, or on the last great day before the throne of Jesus Christ, the pronouncement will be made over our lives when we have already committed, when we are in Christ, to say, hey, no condemnation. Jason, there's no condemnation over your life. Cheryl, no condemnation over your life. No, being paid. This is dangerous. 
Could this lead Christians to sin? No. It entices us all the more into the sheer wonder of the Christian truth. Because when you wonder of the Christian truth, you don't want to sin. And we're looking at that next week on grace for living. You don't want to. You think, no, the, the law, because it says don't touch the wet paint, no, I don't want to now. I don't, I don't want to, even though it's telling me not to. That, that sign does not stop me doing it. What stops me doing it is that, no, I have no desire to. That's the past. I don't have to sin now. I can be free of that. This is such good news. Can it be true? It is true. So, question. Why is there no condemnation? Well, verse 2 explains. Verse 2, the law of the Spirit of life has set me free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. What does that mean? Well, the law of sin and death is the, the power or the impulse in our lives that causes us to sin. It's there. It was there from birth. You don't have to be taught it. You don't have to learn it. You don't have to practice it. It's there. But through Jesus, grace has set me free from this law, the law of sin and death, through the spirit of life, which is the Holy Spirit. If you're in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. Therefore, there is no condemnation. It's not a silly slogan. It's a huge shout of freedom. Because through Christ and what he has done, we are free from all condemnation that the mosaic or that the God's law would accuse us of. So, another question. How is there no condemnation? Well, the law was power. The law is powerless. The law has no power. Do not do this. Thou shalt not do that. It has no power. You can still do it. Just because it says don't do it doesn't make you not do it. Can't save anybody. It tells us about our sin and our failure. It tells us we need to get right with God, but it doesn't make us get right with God. The law is powerless to change my life. There's nothing wrong with the law. We are the problem because we are weakened by the sinful nature. We're the problem. The law is not the problem. We're the problem. So God himself met the need by sending his own son, Jesus, in the likeness of sinful man. Now, this is a bit, bit of doctrine here. Here we go. There is similarity and there is difference. Similarity, Jesus was a real man. Difference, Jesus had no sin. He was a man without sin. He was not a sinful man. He was in the likeness of man without sin. So Jesus, fully God. Jesus, fully man without sin. That's why Paul puts that word likeness in the scripture here. He came in the likeness of man. Jesus took on our sin and God 
punish sin in him. We are sinful. God, uh, Jesus did not have sin. Our sin was transferred to Jesus. Jesus took the punishment. Basic math. Sin was punished in Christ. My sin, your sin, our sin. God condemned, punished sin in the flesh of his son. This is what these four verses are saying. God punished sin in himself. What do you mean himself? Well, John chapter 10, Jesus says, I and the Father are one. We've just gone through the season of Christmas. I'm sure we all have sung Christmas carols or heard them being played in stores and supermarkets. And I'm sure the great carol, O Come, All Ye Faithful. I'm sure you heard it. I'm sure you know it. It may be one of your favourites. O come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. And there's a line in that Christmas carol that says, Very God, begotten, not created. Very God, begotten, not created. Now you know why I'm not on the band. But there's that line, very God, begotten. Begotten means not created, part of. Part of God. To beget is to come from yourself. God himself was punished. God punished the sin in the son that he sent. In the likeness of sinful man. This is grace. People say to you, well, what is grace? This is grace. Something I don't deserve, something I can't earn, something I can't buy. It's just faith in Jesus. In Jesus. This is grace. He died not only for the sin we committed, but also for our sinful nature. Not only the sins, but our nature, our character. No, we've, we've changed. This means the condemnation for now but for us, now has been dealt with. Punishment is dealt with. God has punished my sin in his son, Jesus. The punishment has been made and I don't have to feel guilty anymore. I am not guilty anymore. Do you know that? Do you know that you are not guilty before God for the stuff that happened in the past? You're not guilty. There is no condemnation. Not only you're not guilty, you know, there's no condemnation, no punishment. You're free. Imagine the bank account. Imagine you've got a bank account and it's full of shame, full of guilt, full of stuff that you don't want made public, full of stuff that you think if that came out, oh, nobody would want to talk to me. And Jesus has got a, he's got a bank account next to you and his bank account is full of mercy and love and grace and redemption and no shame, no condemnation. And Jesus says, hey, Steve, let's, let's switch accounts. I'll take your account, you take mine. That's what he does. So you look in your account and you think, I don't believe it. All that debt, all that guilt, all that shame has gone. Instead, I've got riches that I never knew I had. And you look at Jesus' account and he's taken, and you think, 
But you've taken, you've taken it from me. Yes, I have. That's, my, that's love. That's grace. I've, I've taken all your sin and your shame. I'm taking it into my account. And that's not yours anymore. You don't have to feel guilty. You're not guilty. Your account says you're not guilty. Look, you've got, you're in bonus. You're in plus in your account. Not those big red printed, you're in the black as such. Verse 4 says, verse 4, chapter 8, in order that we have a new way of living. See, what happened through Christ affects our life in the here and now. We have no condemnation because of grace. And next week, we're going to be looking at how grace helps us in our living. We are in Christ. The band is going to come up now, and we're going to sing a song. But if you have never heard this type of message before, and you want to respond, you want to say, actually, I want reassurance, Chris. I'd like you to pray for me, or some others, it doesn't have to be me of course it can be anyone, I'd like to be, have prayer for reassurance that this is really true for me or you may have never heard this message before you may have never heard it at all and you think I, I, I want to respond I want to change bank accounts well, we'll be standing over there, there'll be some men and women over there be delighted to pray for you You see, God is always for us. He is never against us. And Charles Wesley, I haven't got the date when he wrote it, but he wrote a hymn which has a line, Bold I approach the eternal throne. How can that be? God in his holiness, absolute sinless, is it arrogant to say we can approach that throne of God? Well, yes, you can. Because you have now been made righteous. You can approach that throne of God, put your hands in the air or do whatever you want and say, bold I approach God's throne because of Christ in me. That's grace. That's grace. No shame, no guilt. Just love. It's grace. Grace.